0: Welcome to the Legislate Podcast, a place to learn about the latest insights and trends in of property, technology, business building and contract drafting. Today I'm excited to welcome Rich Woolley on the show. Rich is the founder and CEO of Paperclip, the UK's best place to buy, sell and swap. Rich, thank you for taking the time. Would you like to please introduce yourself and share a bit of background about Paperclip?
1: Yeah, so hi Charles. Yeah, Rich here, um, the CEO and founder of Paperclip, which is a a marketplace for buying, selling, and soon-to-be renting. It was a startup, but we've been around a couple of years, taking a long winding road. I started my career as a management consultant at Accenture. It took me a couple of years before realizing it wasn't really for me, although it did equip me quite for the skills needed to run a company and, and raise investment. So um, it was a valuable time, I suppose. I took a career break in 2014, generally just messed around. Started a little app called Smalltalk, which is a word, fact, and quote of the day app. That's done quite well on app store. Actually, it's got over 400 reviews, hundred thousand downloads, uh, featured by Apple seven times, and I haven't even spent a penny on marketing it. So it was quite a nice little sort of project I did when I left. My fiance runs it now, which is uh, convenient and paperclip has always been my real passion. So it started out as a marketplace for student. I'd had a successful eBay business as a student, and I'd always thought there was a gap for student marketplaces. And along the journey of paperclip, I realized that it could be so much bigger. So we could try and truly innovate the traditional marketplace model by adding rental, which is a quite new thing enabled by on-demand insurance. And there's a number of other innovative features that could benefit buyers and sellers better than the incumbents. So our aim is to change the way people think about the things that they own and we're-
0: And when it comes to buying and selling things on your marketplace, what are maybe some of the less known items that get exchanged?
1: I guess quite with students, which is on most of our user base, it's the traditional stuff like bikes, iPads, textbooks have been huge. Anything surprising on there? Not really, but we do get some people who try and sell magic mushrooms, things like that, and and cannabis, uh, which always makes me laugh. Of course, we have to moderate that. But yeah, back in the day when we first started, somebody swapped their engagement ring for an Android Galaxy tablet, um, a Samsung Galaxy tablet, sorry. And um, yeah, that's a sad story. But in any case, I guess quite traditional in a way at the moment.
0: That's fascinating. And so what's been your favorite moment so far?
1: Favorite moment so far. So uh, a bit of background. I'm fortunate to be backed by uh, two in, two founders that I truly admire. One is Haley Parsons, the founder of GoCompare. And the other is a co-founder of Just Eat, David Buttress, um, who is the former, both hugely successful marketplaces on TV, their household names, all that kind of stuff. They're even brands my parents would recognize. Parents aren't too with it. But in any case, also actually, they're both Welsh, which is nice. But my favorite moment was when David Buttress took me to the rugby in Cardiff and I was sat in his box You're getting pretty drunk and noticed in the box next to us was Hayley Barson. And so I ran over to her box, walked right in, went right up to her, gave her a big kiss and took a selfie with her. And at that moment, I thought that was pretty cool. You know, maybe I'm starting to get somewhere. I was on top of the world, but I was pretty drunk. But yeah, that was probably my, that's definitely the best moment for me, actually. There have been a number of other great moments along the journey, of course, as well. We raised investment on a crowdfunding TV show on Dave, for example. And and that was pretty, pretty wild and a really cool moment for me. But yeah, but the one with uh, the rugby was the the standout moment for me.
0: That's That's great. And what do you wish you had known before starting Paperclip?
1: This is such a tough question. What do I wish I'd known before I'd started Paperclip? So many things. But the first thing is that I wish I'd known to hire more key senior people earlier. And so they make life so much easier. So at the start, I thought, what self-respecting industry veteran would want to work with a punk like me? And so I hired mostly mates and fresh grads. But recently, we've had a proper veteran come on board. His name's Keith Parkman. He joined the team. Uh, about two years ago, 30 years commercial experience, previously MD of another startup, and he makes life so much easier. He lends amazing counsel to me while I'm growing the business and growing as an individual and CEO. And it's no surprise our revenues have tripled every year since he joined. And fingers crossed, he might have actually got us a game-changing partnership this month as well. We're on the final round of contractual discussions right now, but it looks like it's about to be signed, I hope. But yeah, the saying is, if you think it's expensive to hire a professional, wait till you hire an amateur. And sadly, that's been very true with me, but yeah, I wish I'd hired more people like Keith earlier in the journey. I'd probably have a few less gray hairs and wrinkles uh, today.
0: As a younger or solo founder, it might seem a bit daunting or even an impossible task to bring on someone who's a bit more experienced. So, what tips would you give to a younger founder to convince a veteran to join their journey?
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, good, good question. So, I suppose it's hard to match salaries. Uh, of course, when you're starting out, you might have a couple of hundred grand in the bank, and they might be paid a couple of hundred grand a year in their old jobs. So, it's tough. So, I suppose you need to, to focus on getting people that are behind the vision, that are willing to take a chance for a year or two with a clear path of kind of advancement as well. So, um, you can see that you start there, but if you do well, the certain funding rounds of things, there's more equity in line There's a salary that you truly deserve, the market rate later on and, and things like that. But yeah, I guess that would be my tip. I've only got one or two veterans on my team, so I'm no expert in, in hiring.
0: That's really valuable feedback. And now that you've just secured funding and entering a new space, what's your plan and vision for the next five years?
1: So really excited now, especially that rental is nearly completed. We've been, been building a long time. So. The vision I have uh, for Paperclip is for everyone around you to have uh, everything they own, their bikes, books, power tools, everything, all listed on their Paperclip profile for others to buy, borrow, and rent off them. And when you buy something off someone, it moves from their profile into yours. So the listing never leaves. Um, You can seamlessly relist it and flip it onto someone else when you're done with it. uh, Which is the temporary temporary ownership culture we're trying to instill where you know, less about buying new and more about buy, borrow, rent off your neighbor for folks to get away from the whole Amazon Prime culture of buying something new, using it once, putting it in. And it's quite a compelling concept, really, in that in theory, if you want a power drill today to use for 30 minutes, you could find it from your neighbor. You could get it the same day, so quicker than any other marketplace could possibly do. You could get it for a fraction of the price by borrowing it or or for free or renting it for a tenner, and you wouldn't be left with it. There wouldn't be any packaging, any logistics. It's just just good simple stuff and i think the model of marketplaces and indeed asset ownership in general is it's to a rethink we hope to disrupt that so in the next five years i want paperclip to be a household name especially in the uk with of course some foreign expansion but instead of people saying just get it on amazon or just ebay it i want them to say just paperclip it and i want us to be ubiquitous like that.
0: that's a great vision and i imagine as a founder you must have seen lots of contracts so what are the main ones that you interact with and what can you tell us about them?
1: Sure. So there's two key contracts that come to mind recently, especially. One is, so a prominent TV investment fund has offered us TV ad space in exchange for equity in our next round, which is pretty, pretty alluring. TV is an interesting one. It's good for marketplaces because it helps build trust when you've seen it on TV. Those ads would run next summer and this would help us become at least a stepping stone on the way to becoming a household name. Um, what's interesting for this is that i'm learning so much about tv ads demographics targeting all sorts but um to be succinct with the answer actually retrospectively i would say that uh, the contract there is fascinating because they're putting together a bunch of terms and a bunch of things that i'm not familiar with we're batting it back and forth and there's a huge element of like of risk on both parties in a way and so we're trying to mitigate that on all fronts and the contract's taken. It took months and months to get to the stage where we, we've reached an agreement, but there's still a long way to go as well. Some conditions that need to be met. And so that contract's taken up a lot of time of our side. And their side. I remember meeting with was three of their lawyers, like and me on a call. And yeah, they're just grilling every aspect of the business model. You know, all the assumptions I've made, which are the startup assumptions. They're assumptions built off assumptions. So like, it's a bit tricky. But yeah, we finally, it was a deep dive into the business and we finally um, got to an agreement there. But yeah, that's a contract I'll probably always remember. And uh, hopefully it's a, it's a good one. Another one is that key partnership. I mentioned that Keith commercial chief commercial officer is, is negotiating that would help us to scale to 22 different cities around the UK this summer. And there's a lot of back and forth of the contract, but if we can put it off, it will be a complete game changer for us and help us reach targets faster. It's due to be signed any day now. So it's fresh on my mind, the pain of the back and forth. And I think we've got some changes back like an amended document. Last week, the day before the Easter break, or the day of the Easter break at 11pm my time. And we had a a 5am flight the next morning. So it's really me and my uh, fiance were really getting into it when we're supposed to be packing. But in any case, yeah, that's a contract that's, well, hopefully freshly signed this week because we need to start planning around it. And so anyway, uh, those are just two from this year, as you can imagine. Uh, So many other contracts along the way.
0: In my previous role, we were based in Oxford, but had a customer in Sydney and we were waiting for them to sign this big contract, so we were waking up early, going to bed late, so I can definitely uh, relate to the pain, but um, it also means that the adrenaline is much more intense, which is great. And with some of those uh, contracts, maybe internal contracts that you've been creating, what are the common issues that you encounter or areas of friction that you have to overcome?
1: So many issues with uh, employment contracts, contractor agreements for sure. Um, So when we first started the business, all of the companies were under PAYE and UK based, even if they were in Slovakia and uh, the Czech Republic. So we had issues with national insurance and all all sorts of stuff. And so eventually we just made them contractors, but with kind of full-time employee kind of privileges like holiday pay. Now, getting to this was tough. You've got different requirements in each country and... um, It was a lot of back and forth with lawyers and with our lawyers, which we had on retainer, but we were taking up a lot of their time because, and then, yeah. And then we brought on some other people who were based out of Spain and things like that, and then it just went too much really. So we contracted an HR company to help, and that's just an extra cost. And even that isn't that helpful. They don't know that the ins and outs of foreign uh, companies generally either. Loads of pain points with contracts. We, I guess we overcame them by just brute force. An expense in the end, but I wish there was a better way. Especially back then, it took a lot of my time when I could have been doing other stuff. But, but, but yeah, um, actually, a bit of a sore topic, Charles. That contracts—they're tricky, um, yeah—as you're no stranger to.
0: Yeah, contracts are tricky because they're not just a piece of paper. They actually have clauses that are there to help mitigate risk, and and ultimately, this is where the negotiation is: is what happens when something goes wrong. Um, because that's where contracts do get challenged and that's why you need a contract. We also have half our team in Spain. Um, we haven't necessarily worked with an HR agency yet. Um, so we used to go just down the contractor route, but I do imagine that as we scale and grow, we'll have to maybe look at other options, um, which will represent additional costs, which, um, you know, I hate additional costs, but, but maybe that's a price you have to pay. Yeah.
1: Certainly, share your pain. It's Yeah, it's a trade-off, isn't it? Depends if it saves you time and money in the long term. I suppose. Yeah, and yeah. short term maybe as well. Yeah.
0: We'll see. So, I'm conscious, Rich, that I've taken a lot of your time already. So, I'm going to ask you the closing question we ask all our guests: If you were being sent a contract to sign today, what would impress you? Impress you.
1: So, if it was written, so what would impress me about a contract would be a: if it was written in plain terms for once. There's too many, too much convoluted law language. I find. Now. Why can't things just be spelled out clearly in many cases? B, if it was promptly uh, sent and I guess if a contract was um, quite, there was a clear and transparent process of rounds of changes and and stuff like that, clear ownership on both sides and ways to respond instead of just going in and track changes, commenting and responding. But if you're talking about the content of a contract, really what we look at right now with partnerships is things that help us on our mission. So something to help grow us, our user base, partnerships like that. Or to make, or both, uh, ideally, that's what we'd like about content of uh, partnership contracts. But yeah, more broadly, the template of contracts, swift communication, transparency over the process and the commenting and and all that stuff would be really helpful uh, for me. Um, Otherwise, things get lost back and forth, email trails, comments here and there, different versions. It just gets mentally out of hand quite quickly.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you've described legislate. We obviously can't help in terms of the parameters that will help you grow your business. Um, to me, that's what you'd negotiate, but what we're really trying to do is use very plain English and standard language, um, in the templates and the templates of all the ingredients of a valid contract. And instead, what we try to do is move the negotiation to the contract parameters, which you can control and those parameters can be changed um, to amend the contract. So you ultimately just have to change your answers t- to the parameters to impact the contract. You've got an audit trail of all those changes as well. And again, you're changing the parameters, not the text. So that's how we, we hope you can you know create contracts that are robust um, faster.
1: That sounds perfect and yeah, at risk of sounding like a shill that I actually would really benefit from that right now in the contract negotiations um, that we've had in Probably could have saved me hours of my life, maybe days <laughs> looking back. I have to give yeah. you a try then Charles yeah, oh, that's, off that's... the record. I suppose, uh, it's great founder, a, founder a kind of sense of, uh, good selling. <laughs> that's a nice way of, yeah. bringing your product in.
0: I have to use every opportunity I can. Yeah. Thank you very much, Rich, for being on the show and best of luck growing in the UK and abroad.
1: Thanks Charles. Um, uh, absolute pleasure to speak with you today and yeah, all the best of yourself as well. Yeah. Thank, thank you. So, thank you.